Gladiators, welcome back. Today I have a business specialist, a gladiator in Amin Ahsan. Pronounced yes, beautifully, yes. right? Yeah. Welcome, Amin. Thank you. Um, a lot of my podcast is personal stuff and motivational stuff. Now, you specialize in uh, fixing businesses, small to medium-sized businesses, and that's where I, that's my playing field is. So if you don't mind, I'd like to hear your, a little bit of your history, your journey. What are you doing right now? And we talk about businesses, like what are the biggest hurdles they have? What are the challenges they face? If you don't mind, would that be okay? Yeah, that'd be great. Great. So tell me about your journey. What brings you to Dubai? Well, the, the thing is that I was in UAE from my childhood. I had my schooling here. Were you born here? Yeah, I was not born here. My mother, when she was pregnant and about to deliver, she went back home, okay. delivered there and came back. So till eighth grade, I was here. We live in Alain. That's the place uh, where we have our relatives, our businesses and everything. Even now, I live in Alain. You drove all the way from Alain to here this morning? Yeah. Thank you. But I think Good that's comment. much more comfortable than traveling from one part of Dubai to the Dubai itself. True, you true, know? true. Uh, the peace of mind that you get in Alain is uh, awesome. I mean, I would say wherever you are, when it comes to sleeping, you have to be in Alain. Yes. I believe all the kind of rulers all came from Alain, right? Is it green? Is it a... Yeah, it's very green. It's uh, it's a very beautiful place. And it's a place where, of the royalty, you know, because like where I stay, on the other Shabia, you have the uh, the ruling family's uh, grandparents or the other side's and another palace. And still living there? That I don't know, but they definitely have their families there. Oh, because nice. I think they are in Abu Dhabi right now when it comes correct, to ruling. Correct. So when you go shopping, you could be next to the Nahyans or the Maktoums and stuff. <laughs> Quite possibly. Amazing. So you got to be nice to everyone. <laughs> but then people of Alain are very nice to everyone, just like sure. everybody else in Emirates. Sure, That's one beautiful thing about this country, mm-hmm. which ultimately brings it all the business that it gets. I mean, it's one country that actually shows that being nice actually, you know, is profitable business. Very true. Tell me about your journey. So you went, um, you were here till a young age, then you went home mm-hmm. and then you came back again. What yeah. brought you back? Well, uh, after my eighth, I went to India. Mm-hmm. And I was in a boarding school for four years. And uh, after that, I went to Manipal, which is another place in India, and where I did my degree in business management. And after that, I came back to UAE, joined my family business for a year. And then I went to UK to do my master's in finance and investment from Exeter University. That was in 2001. Then I came back. And uh, then I wanted to go back to India because like... Uh, the UAE at that time and the India at that time was kind of different. And um, since I had my college days and everything in India, India was far more uh, exciting and adventurous in a way uh, so that, you know, I wanted to be there. And the um, so I went back to India and I was planning to start uh, a different kind of business. My uh, desire has always been to be in investment banking or investment comp- be form investment company and stuff like that. And that was one of the reasons why I actually took a master's in finance investment. And uh, when I came back to India, me and two of my friends, we found an idea of uh, an accounting firm, outsourced accounting firm, which was a pretty new concept at that time, because we are talking about 2001, almost 22 years ago. And uh, we thought that was a great idea. And we pitched that idea to a, a big entrepreneur there, who's actually a big entrepreneur here as well. And the idea was that uh, we could get his work so that, you know, he could be our first client. But he heard our whole story and he said, you know, I'm not interested in that, but I would like to start 
a newspaper uh, press, you know. And newspaper press is kind of like, you know... A, totally random. Nothing to do with what you're doing. Exactly. And uh, it's a very, uh, what do you call... Uh, it's a different project. It's uh, it's it's political in a way. It's uh, it's influential in a way. Not everybody starts it, you know. So I was like, kind of like, this is not why we, what we went for, right? So we make, we came back home and we thought like, you know, we'll drop it. Like, we never thought of doing that. But the person who actually introduced us to this guy, he's also a very influential person in my place and he's someone you cannot say no to. So he said, no, this guy asked you to do that. You have to do it. So for him, we did the project report or the business plan for it. And he liked it. And his chartered accountant, who was quite skeptical in the beginning, uh, he also liked it. So then me and my friend thought like, you know, this is interesting. Uh, and this is new because you didn't have a company in Kerala, where I'm from, yes. uh, which was actually providing this at a preference scale some 20 years back. So we got into it. That's how we are actually getting into the business of making project reports, business plans and stuff like that. And for one year, we operated there. And uh, there was a, an interesting time, like uh, once we prepared a brochure, uh, when I say all these things, you should see it says a 20 year old story. I mean, so many things might look quite, uh, what do you call, a flimsy right now. But at that time, at that time it was, it was high tech stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we made a, we invested into a brochure, which was well designed by that time standard. And uh, we sent it to a, a leading company uh, by post. And one rainy morning, uh, I had a call from its director. And he said that, uh, you know, I got your post. I read it. It's interesting. I read it 17 times. I was like, what? 17 times? We should meet. So uh, that was the kind of thing that we were doing there. And um, after one year, yes. uh, my partner's wife got a good job in Kuwait. And I was also free. So we thought, okay, then we'll just wind up and we'll go away. And then I came back to UAE. And Can here, I ask you, how did the magazine do? The newspaper that gentleman wants to open? Did he start it? Which one? You know, the a newspaper, you said the gentleman wants to open it. Yeah, he started it. And is it still going? No, it actually, our recommendation was not to start. Mm -hmm. But it had issues and it, uh, it didn't... Publications are hard things, yeah, especially now we're going digital. Exactly. Right? I remember when I told him, like, uh, when we had to say, give him the, the no as the answer, it was very hard because mm -hmm. it's your first report and he's a big guy and you are telling him, you know, it's not a good idea. Yeah. So he didn't listen to you? No, he's, he, he very politely said that that's your recommendation, but the choice is mine. But <laughs> How long did he go for? Um, I think it went for a couple of years. Oh, okay. Yeah, it did go for a couple of years. Yeah, we can do. If you've got deep pockets, you just throw money at it, right? Yeah. The business needs to be profitable. Years. And a couple of years later, I met him and he said, when I introduced myself to him, like, you remember me? He said, yeah. Yeah, it happened as you said. So it's <laughs> wow, amazing. So was, yeah, I mean, it's a good and it's a bad thing because ultimately it had a bad. Yeah, but you were right. So yeah, so um, back. yeah, back. so then I came back to UAE and I got a job in a consulting strategy consulting firm in Abu Dhabi. It was owned by a German and American, and that was technically my first professional experience in a consulting. The the previous one I was inventing things, you know. Now I had exposure to work with. Uh, some of the best uh, people who, who, who graduated from some of the best universities like Harvard, Kellogg, and people with 10, 20, 30, 40 years of experiences. And I was a junior among them. So I had the ability to learn everyone, learn from everyone. 
And after that, uh, I uh, became a strategy advisor to a CEO in a Dubai-based company. And after that, I left back to India again because like um, life in Dubai was not very exciting. I mean, like the life, you know, not the work part, the life part was not very exciting. I'm the kind of guy who likes a personal life to be very soft and calm, you know. Do you have family, you know, wife, kids? Yeah, I have a wife and a daughter. Oh, so every time you go back, they follow you or they, they're back home? They stay home? No, they follow me. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we, I went back to India. I was there for almost one and a half, one and a half years in Goa. Mm-hmm. I think you must have heard of beautiful, Goa. Beautiful, yeah. yeah been... Goa was beautiful. So I thought I'll stay there for some time. But then I f- finally came back to my hometown, which is Kerala, home state, which is Kerala, and been there for all this time. Now, but you're here in Dubai now, right? You're yeah. establishing both. You're I have a firm there. I have team uh-huh. there. They're working, still working there. Okay. Uh, it's just me who has come here. So can I ask you, um, hand on heart, and we're not going to mention names or firms was there a big difference between the guys who went to harvard and all this and what you were doing i think it's more about the kind of exposure that they get uh, so it opens doors it does open doors yeah to, to me mm. business is simple okay you sell goods you add value and in return you get paid right and you continue to add value and you continue to get paid you exceed expectations, and along the way, you watch your costs, and you monitor this daily. You've got to need your numbers. But the moment I fear we give it to consultants, not your or me type of consultants, with high degrees and so forth, they just waffle and waffle and waffle, and the price goes up and up and up. That's my perception. And I find that most companies rather go ahead with them because a decision maker won't lose his job if he's gone with somebody from Harvard. I think you just uh, opened a several lot of topics. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know from which I should start. Any way you like. I think it fundamentally comes down to uh, understanding the right expectations from different ways. Many a times people, I feel, this is my personal opinion, is that uh, we confuse management education with entrepreneurship. And I think uh, though the topics are the same, it's two different things. Entrepreneurship is something totally different from what you learn in colleges. I mean, like even if it's Harvard, Kellogg, whatever. I mean, since I didn't learn there, I cannot completely watch, uh, say, but understanding the way, like how it goes, you know, there they teach you how functional management happens and uh, what kind of analysis that you should do, what is the best practices that you have to do, that kind of process and stuff like that. But in entrepreneurship, it's all about gut feelings, decision-taking, the courage, the ability to foresee things. See, the ability to foresee things you cannot learn in a college, right? Because future is unknown. Like, you don't have a model for that. And even if you have a model, 99% may not work. So entrepreneurship is is something about a personal, uh, personal quality kind of thing. And management is something that is learned. And the effectiveness comes when you mix this thing together. Otherwise, you will have someone who is very, very good in marketing uh, at a theoretical level, who knows all the game, everything, but his strategy still may not work. No intuition, no exactly. guts, no daring. My, my question is more towards the consultant side because mm-hmm. I don't particularly like the large consultancies. I think they just charge a fortune and they put the client through a system. They take this system and processes put it in the equation and give it to you. Uh, that's yeah. my... I mean, like, I would say, like, uh, there could be bad moments and good moments. 
that would be the right way to say because there, there are case studies where a substantial amount of value has been created by yes. the big uh, big four and big fives and uh, but there's no reason why you can't find a value right or I can't, I'm not educated in the sense no I've got zero education uh-huh. I've got 35 years experience right mm-hmm. um I was you know FTX the company that uh, recently went bust the mm-hmm. second biggest uh, bitcoin exchange or cryptocurrency exchange they went down i think for 17 billion or 16 billion and um, the consultants this year alone have charged 200 million dollars to see if they can get their money back for the see the thing is that uh, i don't know how far it will be true but when an organization becomes big mm-hmm. and big that the touch where you actually have the passion for something actually goes on see think of it this way a huge organization serving you yes and a boutique serving you for a boutique you are substantial because like uh, you might be an x percentage of their whole turnover and your success really matters to them so there would be that uh, real element of what you call care attention and stuff like that for a big organization that could be a little nugget in the whole thing yes exactly so it's like uh, it, it could be process driven it could be someone doing his job mm-hmm. uh, i mean you know yes I, i i see a future whereby maybe using ai as well that these large consultancy firms cannot charge the kind of fees they charge because the information is going to be more and more accessible um and through ai i think people aren't going to be so reliant on these big firms they'll probably come to us more because we more we move we adjust we bend does that make sense instead of just putting people through a system i think ai is going to disrupt this industry in a huge way yes one of the things which uh, in kerala for example i had a big office and stuff and stuff like that but now uh, since last one year i would say this is amin arsen version 2 because uh, previously my concept of success and growth was officers people you know but now my whole idea is that uh, if i stick to those ideologies then i'm going to sing because in very near future this thing is going to be so super that uh, almost all information if what you're selling is information if what you're selling is best practices if what you're selling is process if what you're selling is benchmarking the cost could be zero exactly because you just subscribe into like any service providers and you log in your company's information to it it can actually tell you like where you stand in the industry where you stand in dubai where you stand in uae where you yes. stand in the globe yes. it can give you that benchmarking it can give you the best practices you tell him this is your business your number of staff or maybe even you input your staff capability all what was information process and all those kind of things will become free amazing So a consulting firm that is focusing its energy on these kind of things definitely days uh, are numbered will have yeah will have I problems so. but still strategy will have possibilities because strategy is about future and whatever generative ai is uh, delivering today is not about the future it's about the present or the past correct it it cannot predict the future correct and even if it predicts it may not it might be i don't know about feelings and emotions and foresight yes it goes exactly. by numbers and stats it goes by numbers and stats yeah. Interesting. and human being is not a rational animal it's a totally rational animal so uh, i guess human beings take risk for instance right yeah. and maybe ai won't have a certain element of risk added to it thank you for that um 
you your your client base is small to medium sized enterprises SMEs, yeah. and um, why do you think is the main reason they don't make it? Because they you know when you open up a bank account, they say eighty percent of your businesses go bust in the first year or two. Mm-hmm. So why do you think most people don't make it? I think uh, there are a hundred reasons for that, but uh, the what is entrepreneurship at the end of the day? It's an experiment. Somebody's doing an experiment. Somebody's deciding that if I give A to B, there will be a sale. It's an expectation. And uh, if anything goes wrong in that equation, it's a very complex equation. If any variable goes wrong, that business will fail. If you take the journey of an entrepreneur through the life cycle, there are different phases where the entrepreneurship can, the entrepreneur can fail. Some businesses fail even before they, are, they commence. Even before the first day of inauguration, that business is a failure. Because many people, they just go by their gut feeling. They think that the customers will be there for this they product. They had an idea in the shower. Yeah. Right. They come out thinking everybody wants their product and it doesn't sell. It doesn't sell. Nobody's interested. Maybe it's a good product, but it's the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a good product, a good place, but it's the wrong price. Maybe many things can go wrong. So without a proper study, and most entrepreneurs do not study, they have this feeling that they have, they actually look at anomalies in our life. They look at the stories of people who had extraordinary, miraculous uh, success. Jump in. And they feel that uh, they're going to be like them. I tell my people that, you know, don't look at anomaly stories. Don't look at these uh, outliers. Don't look at the people who are, you know, who are extremely successful because their story has got a lot of miracles in it. Many things went just right. Look at the average stories because most probably you're going to be there. Elon Musk was but um, a skin of his teeth, wasn't he? He got funding from the U.S. government to save him. Sorry, I didn't get that. The Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Okay. Tesla uh-huh. uh, and his SpaceX. They got funding from the Obama mm-hmm. uh, government at the last minute and he saved his ass. Now he's the richest man on the planet. But like you said, lots of miracles happen last minute. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, because like, uh, if, you, if you check the history of those people who made it extraordinarily big, you'll find that just like a movie, you know, many things just happened. Yeah. Uh, many things just fitted, you know. Many people just said yes. But that could be one in a billion, one in 10 million. Exactly. Or something. Yeah, it doesn't, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. So if, if we take them as role models and we follow them, there's a very high chance that our mis- our rocket may not reach there. So we have to always focus on the averages. How does the yes. average entrepreneur go? Yes. So that's one thing that these people make mistake. They, they have the planning wrong. And when the planning is wrong, that idea is dead from the beginning itself. The second mistake uh, people make or the challenges that they face, which they fail, in which they fail is that uh, not 99% businesses, once you start, the next day it's not going to be profitable. It'll take weeks, months, sometimes even years to actually be profitable. Yes. It takes the time for you to really understand your customer and adjust to it or for your real customers to identify you and come back to you in a profitable manner. And uh, many people actually lose focus at that time. Yes. They start uh, thinking like, okay, the, the sale this month was not good, so let's change our strategy. Let's change our offering. Let's make a lot of changes. Keep and jumping. Yeah, jumping here and there. I mean, like the desperate kind of uh, panicking. panicking uh, and that results if you have co-founders, you, then you start fighting each other because this guy will be saying something else. Yes. And this will be seen by the employees. Their morale goes down. And many fail that way. I think most of the businesses fail 
is due to that confused uh, that confusion phase you know when you really thought something will work and it didn't works so now what to do uh, that whole how do, how do you change how do you maneuver and how do you communicate it to your staff that was a really good point another thing is that uh, most of these people they start business without proper capital mm-hmm. so when each month you have a deficit it really burns somewhere so you really do not have cash you may have to go for rolling and stuff like and that's when the pressure and desperation increases yes but at least if you had cash reserves yes. you'll at least be you know having a cool head but they won't be having it because the assumption is that uh, they can have capital only till startup once the inauguration is over they assume that the business will come then with that money you pay salaries you pay rent everything yes, yes. and that doesn't happen that so, and they they become desperate they become <clears throat> too much pressure and they can't cope keeping working capital reserve is one of the hardest thing yes. for an entrepreneur like yes. it's like do we need one year's reserve is that required you know two months three months yeah. it's very difficult to convince them even in our consulting when we actually uh, tell them that you have to keep this much amount of money as a reserve for your business you know that means raising that capital from someone right yes. so they'll be like uh, yeah we'll consider we'll consider but many a time that will be in their lowest priority that amount will be in their lowest priority wow because there's always an assumption that it will kick like yeah so that's one phase uh, where this uh, start uh, this small business and medium strength. businesses uh, struggle and fail another stage is when they start growing suppose they had they they took off from the break even point and now they're starting to make profits that is also phase many people fail because they do not know how to manage success they make all wrong decisions wrong investments they had a plan for the startup but didn't have a plan for the success actually the entrepreneurship journey is like a marathon race not a marathon race like what the relay race you have to pass on the baton to another person mm-hmm. with a different skill mm-hmm. absolutely it's the same skill guy who is actually becoming a promoter going through the uh, crisis period then taking to the growth and then taking to the plateau stage it's it's all different and skills and mentality there's not that many people who have, who have that transferable skill sometimes yeah. they're the wrong people for the growth stage right yeah they have to maybe hire someone maybe an operator somebody who... a, a new manager a new ceo or a new director mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or just become an investor and just step out wow interesting do you do you find as a consultant that you have to do a lot of fighting sometimes for what's right because a lot of times i fire the clients because i feel they're not listening they're just going and i just say don't waste your money with me because i disagree with the with the route you're going that well i didn't have that uh, need to actually have a fight with them but many a times uh, i do the screening in the early on stage itself mm-hmm. if i don't feel comfortable with the person and really. i don't work with them yeah because I, you feel it's going to be bad yeah I mean like uh, in the last 10 years itself we have handled with more than 100 plus entrepreneurs 150 plus engagements wow. almost 20 30 industries yes so kind of like when you talk to them you get the feeling like uh, this guy is a time waster or uh, you know the biggest one i get is when they knock every single person they've ever done business with i'm thinking hang on you the common denominator right not everybody was an idiot not everybody was wrong that's a big highlight one for me um How about recruitment? First no, let's go back to the consultancy part. What's the general length of time somebody uses your services? Typically we would advise them to have it for one year okay. because that is the time like uh, when change starts showing results. Okay. But usually in practical senses it doesn't last one year. Maybe okay. after 6 months or 8 months 
uh, the engagement. And do you go into the business? You have consultants sitting there. You go on and off. How does it normally work? It depends. Average? It depends. Like if it's a big engagement, uh, for you example, have permanent we, stuff. yeah, we were having, uh, we were consulting a big steel factory company in mm -hmm. India. In that engagement, several of our consultants were actually almost uh, full time there. Right. Uh, but then again, it's usually in the early stages that we have more involvement. Then later mm -hmm. on, as uh, they start implementing it, that man hours and man people it's gets less. reduced. Yeah. What's your unique selling proposition as consultancies got? The uh, consulting uh, in India, for example, is not what I'm actually offering here. Okay. In India, basically, our focus has been uh, new venture consulting, which is feasibility studies, business plans, and stuff like that, and management consulting. Here, I'm basically focusing more on the leadership, the, the directors, the partners, mm -hmm. um, because I feel that is the area where AI may not be playing a big role in the future. So, for example, one of the consulting that I power is leadership consulting, where I actually specifically advise co-founders. Wow. Uh, for example, um, many, almost all co-founder businesses will be having issues after five, say, five years or 10 years because the previous energy is not there. Things have changed, roles have changed, but the structure has not changed. The roles have not changed. So, you know, that efficiency is not there as before. Yes. That commitment is not there as before. And uh, some partners can start behaving like lazy or, you know, yes, they disconnected. Change. They, they change. change yeah. And that can start uh, creating issues Conflict. inside the company, which will affect the performance of the business definitely because decisions will not come. And uh, some partners might be having other business interests, so he's focused more on there. A lot of issues can start after 10 or 15 years. Do those businesses contact you at that stage? Do they recognize, oh, we've got a problem here? Or do you approach them? I technically don't approach anyone. Uh -huh. So they approach me usually. So, uh, yeah, they do come when they have issues. And uh, how do they find you? Well, I'm active on my... Uh, I have a, a WhatsApp channels. I have uh -huh. around 20 WhatsApp channels. Mm -hmm. Around 2,000 entrepreneurs are there in it. Uh, but mostly from India, Kerala. Yes, yes. Uh, now I'm building the database for UAE and GCC. Uh, right now, I have a client in Abu Dhabi who have mm -hmm. got several supermarkets under them. And I guess it's word of mouth as well, isn't it? You do well and they, they recommend you to other people. Actually, uh, that's the only way the business in this industry actually can happen at yeah. this level. Yes, I'm yes. not talking about the big five, but yes. at uh, my level. Uh, because trust is the most important thing. It's not like you coming to me one day and saying, I mean, I just Googled you and I found you and you know, I want you to advise me on the important decisions that I take. That never happens. Mm -hmm. So that happens only like you might contact me, but you will never have a deal with me yes. because like uh, we are not there yet. So what I always recommend people who contact me is that join my WhatsApp channel and uh, get to know me. So almost every day I have a post. I post on different topics about leadership, about competitiveness, Building trust, growth, credibility, credibility, and even family businesses. And, um, and one of the posts will click with you. That post will come like, this so is Emotionally, go, I like this guy. I resonate with his message. I trust exactly. him because he seems to be an expert in his field. Exactly. And they're like, wow, that's amazing. I think more than expertise, it's about trust. Yes. And trust, I think, uh, is more important in this business because unless you believe that the advice that I'll give you is from the heart, you will not trust me. Yeah. You will not have the confidence because many a times you will have to change what you're doing right now. And that's very difficult. Unless you really believe that the other guy is saying it's true. Because it's going against your core beliefs, right? So if you care for me unconditionally, I'll listen to you. But if you're just doing it for a fee, I'd rather speak to my core beliefs. Exactly. 
Is there going to be a, a bust time this year? Do you think the stock market is going to crash? What's your opinion? To be honest, uh, though I did my master's in finance investment, mm -hmm. I have stopped tracking stock markets from a long time. Mm -hmm. I personally don't believe uh, it really adds value. Yes. Because like, uh, I, I would rather focus my attention on SMEs and how they grow. But do you think there's a stock market crash coming? As I said, I because don't Because it just them. keeps going up, 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 up. I would have thought after COVID it'll crash, but it didn't. But I think because there's plenty of money created in the marketplace. You know, these governments just printed money. But I th personally think December, there'll be a crash. This crash story actually reminds me of an event during my master's. Uh, we had uh, international portfolio management as one of the topic modules. And uh, we had different groups and we were competing with each other. We had some fund allocated to us and we were using Bloomberg at that time to actually allocate portfolios yes. and uh, uh, compete pa with paper each other. Money, paper money, right? You were yeah. paper trading. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, most of them followed the benchmarks and at that time. And my team, we decided let's focus on the emerging markets. China was not opened up at that time. And the IT bubble crash has not happened, but everybody yes. was saying it will happen. So we betted on the fact that China will grow, China yes. will open up, and yes. the IT, the bubble crash will happen soon. Was this in the 90s? It was in 2000. 2000, okay. 2000, 2001. Yeah, because about 2001, the IT crash came, right? So what happened was that uh, we put all our money in developing markets, uh, and uh, we went away from the traditional IT and all those kind of things. And uh, it was, I think, a six months uh, period uh, competition and at the end of the session uh, ours was the only fund Humane that one. made humongous profit because Chinese stocks rocketed like yes, anything. Yes, and the IT companies went down. And down. And every other group was competing in minus. Wow. wow. You were a positive. Yeah. Yeah. I um, what about, um, what, what's your feeling about UAE and the Dubai market? Mm -hmm. A lot of people are still coming. There's a bubble happening. The price of properties are going up. What's your opinion about Dubai, UAE? I think I see that in a different angle. Yes. Um, if you think of Dubai or UAE as a place to actually do business, I think that'll be tough because the competition is very high because Dubai is an open market. Anybody can come and open up. So the entry barrier is almost nil. Yes. But the, well, the idea of Dubai, I believe, is not that you come to Dubai and do business in Dubai. It's about you come to Dubai, bring your head office, bring your core team, establish here, bring your family, make them have a safe place to live and a safe place for your head office and your corporate offices to be and do business across the world. That's interesting. Make Dubai your head office here. Your home. Your home. The home of your office. Because the infrastructure is fantastic. Everything is fantastic. Life is fantastic. Yeah. If you look around, the whole world is and having taxes. problems. Taxes, everything, safety, security, yeah. peace, entertainment, uh, facilities, education, best everything. Best, best of best the best. Of this, right. So I think that is what Dubai is trying to project. I mean, like, come to Dubai, establish your business, establish head office, no matter you're a small player or you're a multi-billion unicorn company, whatever, be here and do business across the world because we have events here, we have airports here, we have connectivity. The best airline in the world is here. Everything. And if you look at it, Europe, America, Africa, Asia, everywhere there is problems. They're struggling. 
Everybody has their own internal yeah. or external yeah, issues. Yeah, they're all struggling. And this place is peaceful. So do you think that it's just going to keep growing? The prices are going to keep going? Or there's going to be more demand for the near future? I think when it comes to booms and busts, that's a cycle of life. It happens. Yes. I mean, it has to happen. That's yes. a natural phenomenon of life, yes. you know. I mean, you cannot have an economy where everything keeps on going up. I mean, that's irrational. But the question is, what is the averages? Ultimately, when you take a 10-year period, mm -hmm. did the line actually go as a straight line? Correct. That's the only thing that you counts. You are going to have the hiccups. Yeah. But actually, the hiccups are important for opportunities to come up for new players. Yes. If you, the only thing that happens in the market is boom, you will have all bad practices here. And everybody will be making money with doing that. Yeah, you do whatever, whatever you do, you're making money. So you'll have all those bad cultures coming in. When the bus comes, then there's a, uh, there's a chance for new players to come up, yes. new strategies to come yes. up for reflection. It fil filters the crap out of yes. the system. What about um, one of the things that um, I'm not going to feed the answer. I'm going to ask you the question. When there's a bus, when there's a problem, when there's a downturn, people fire certain type of people and they keep or hire certain type of people okay what hurts me because i'm primarily sales right mm -hmm. the first people they fire is sales people mm -hmm. and they hire more accountants okay okay that's my feeling i actually think at downtimes you should hire more sales people because we need more business coming in we don't need more people bookkeepers and make sure we cut costs we should be selling more. What's your opinion? Well, it's a very uh, complicated question because like, it very much depends on the scenario that mm -hmm. we're talking about. For mm -hmm. example, uh, if it's a company that's actually booking losses now and they simply want to reduce their overheads and they don't have a real plan for it, yes. they might just actually you know, cut people or do many things apart yes. from even... It's not just limited to cutting people. Yes. It could be anything. It yes. could be uh, shutting down shops, whatever. But if it's based on a strategy, like they have a strategy, they had a, what you call uh, an evaluation of what went wrong and they decide that uh, what we are selling is not what we should be selling, then it could be a structural cutting. You know, mm -hmm. There will be shedding of people who actually is not going to serve the business in the long run. So that is a strategic move. And I don't think that is limited to uh, salespeople. Yeah. It could go across the line. Uh, the thing about accountants is that uh, whatever happens, they are in the center. You know, anyway, you have they to, need do to the keep the books. Yeah. But then again, accountants are no longer safe. Like I envision a world without accountants in the future. Because why do you need an accountant in the future when all your uh, all your transactions? are having a first entry into your system yes. and the AI, whatever, actually gives we'll you everything. I actually think any business that you have to go to is going to go bust. Yeah. If that makes sense. The lawyers, the accountants, the doctors, because the, everything's changing now. You can have everything at the touch of a button your, in your doorstep. I think every business that has a process mm -hmm. is going to get in trouble. The business is not getting in trouble. The people involved are going to get in trouble. Yeah. Incredible. Including doctors, everything. Do you have personal investments yourself or do you just buy yeah. businesses or anything like this? No, we just actually invest in our business itself. That's it. Fantastic. Have you, have you ever come across a client that you thought, I'd like to invest in this? Uh, and, and have you? Not yet. Uh -huh. Actually, that was one of the reasons why I moved out of Kerala as well. Because... 
there came a point when I found that uh, life was too comfortable and comfort zone is a very dangerous place to be. Yes. Uh, because uh, I built my house, Alhamdulillah was a good, good one, and even had my office, an office space there. And post-COVID, everything became remote and online. Yes. So it came a point where post-COVID, there was no need for me to even go to the office. I was yes. always at the home. And at one point, I thought like, you know, this is very dangerous. And that's one part of it. You're still young. You need to grow, right? You need to still push yourself challenges. Exactly. And the second thing was that uh, the state where I'm coming from, Kerala, it's a very different uh, state of affairs there, you know. Great things to happen takes a lot of, lot of issues, politics and stuff like that. So I've many, been. I loved it. It's a beautiful place. As a, as a tourist. Yeah, course. it's a beautiful place. But when it comes to business, economics mm. and stuff like that, it's, uh, it's a different story. So uh, many of my big projects, projects that I was really looking forward to, uh, did not materialize because of the bureaucracy and uh, time many stuff like that. Uh, even after several years. So I thought, you know, I'm wasting time here. I mean, if I go to Dubai right now, Dubai is booming. It's in its version 3 maybe. And Saudi is in its version 2. A yes. lot of things are happening here. Yes. And this is the time I have to be there, you know. So that's one of the reasons for my presence here. And what you just said is my future plan, actually. Uh, my, in the coming years, my plan is to move from fee-based consulting to yes. equity-based consulting yes. so that at the end of the day, maybe after 10, 15 years... You benefit from the six. That's what we're doing right now. We invest in monetary and there's other things, services, but around 100,000 euros a month on average. Mm-hmm. We invest in companies. See how that goes. <laughs> that, that's, that's a great strategy. Yeah. My idea is that uh, by 10, 15 years, if I'm able to have one business every year where I actually uh, convert my expertise into an equity, even if it's a small percentage, yes. by the end of 10, 15 years, I could open my own small uh, single family office, Correct. NSFO, Correct. which could be an investment uh, company by itself. Yeah, that's where we are now. And um, I'm blessed to think that sales helped me do that because I was constantly selling, helping people make more money. And that's how fast... Um, our, our family office has grown. Our, our assets have grown. I, I love sales. I just love sales. So where do you see yourself in um, five years down the line? Five years down the line, uh, I would say it will be 10 years down the line. Okay. 10 years down the line, that's what I see myself as having a single family office of okay. my own with uh, some 10, 15 or 20 companies in its portfolio. And uh, yeah. And um, how do you rate success? What is success to you? Success to me is like uh, adding value to things around you. Like uh, there is no point in you having a lot of money and it doesn't serve any purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, it's all about uh, how you use your money for the benefit of people. Do you have a plan for your money? Do you know what you have? Everything's planned out. Actually, uh, the plan that I have is uh, something that is actually taught in a religion itself. There is a there is a structure like uh, if you invest, if you have hundred dirhams, whatever, and uh, you consume one by third of it, and you invest one by third of it, and you donate one by third of it, and that is the kind of uh, I'm not there yet, but yes. that is the kind of. Uh, financial efficiency that I would like to reach because when that happens that one by third which you donate need not be a donation that you just give 
it could be a social venture that you're investing in which keeps on growing by itself yes. and you getting the benefits yes, yes, of that yes, yes, no? yes. that's so, beautiful yeah that's the kind of uh, thing that i aspire to reach but i honor you my friend thank you i honor you have i missed anything listens have i missed in in the questions that you're expecting me to ask no i think uh, yeah we are going in the right direction yeah it's been 40 odd minutes can you believe it it's just gone quick <laughs> um if people want to contact you they want to reach out to you how can they do that well uh, they have my website aminahsan.com okay and what we will do is we'll put a text under the video okay promote yourself and um what's the process so they contact you and say i mean we have some challenges i'm looking to set up a company and then what happens next what i do is that uh, they come to my website there okay. is the link to actually book an appointment with me okay. uh, which is a paid appointment and in that two hour session we'll discuss whatever they have to discuss because sometimes in that discussion itself they can resolve things it could be it could resolve whatever they have mm -hmm. uh, or it could be something that might be beyond my capacity mm -hmm. because uh, one thing which i don't want to do is take up things that i cannot add value to the the, th the third situation is that like uh, it could be an issue where they don't need a uh, structured consulting from me they just need periodic advices from me so uh, they can book my sessions whenever they feel like it and uh, uh, because that is a service that might be useful for people who have problem making decisions especially when there are more than one person and everybody has their own They're views stuck. they need a third person to come and say okay guys this is what i feel from what i have heard that's interesting and that could be because decision is the only thing an entrepreneur should do in his life everything else employees should do the one thing that uh, an entrepreneur does from the morning to the night is taking small and big decisions so if those decisions go wrong that's the difference between a successful that's company beautiful. and so uh, one advice could be if you got a business and you are constantly doing you're not doing what you should be doing you should be making decisions you should delegate the doings i actually say entrepreneurs are of four mentality the one is employee mentality the guy is a boss is an entrepreneur whatever but he thinks like an employee yes he has this feeling that he has to do all these small kind of yes. things you know so he's the one who opens the shop in the morning he's the one Doesn't who closes the shop he has yeah. to do it himself yeah he's the one who sits in the cashier mm -hmm. and this mentality can be even a big company because sometimes companies grow big not because of the efficiency of the owner but because of many luck factors yes that's yes. there The second mentality is that of the management of mentality. Like you are the owner but you want to micromanage everything. You want to know what this guy is doing, where he's been, what time he woke up. That kind of man, he's in control mm -hmm. but he's in over control. The third item is the leadership mentality. These guys they don't like to micromanage. They just like to give directions and uh, uh, based on those directions, inspiration stuff like that, business happens. I mean this is an ideal stage. but more than that the bigger uh, most entrepreneurs whom we consider as role models are at that stage but the the one which i like is the one on that on top of that which is the ownership mentality the guy who does not even want to lead something but invest in good companies invest in good leaderships so that he can always be above the cloud like an eagle you know wow. so when the industry goes he's in that industry when the industry uh, is well, i like that because i'm stuck on number 3 most of the entrepreneurs are stuck in mm. number 3 Actually, the number four is where the real game is. That is where your family becomes truly independent. Here we get true wealth. True wealth. The other options, when the founder something happens to him, the, the family is in collapses, trouble. Yeah. In the other option, his uh, son or daughter can go and learn music or art, whatever. It doesn't affect the business at all because the only education that they need 
is how to take the right decisions which is in terms of investments like this industry is going up yeah you don't want the ceos of your company to come and tell you bullshit and uh, you are allocating you some budget it, or something yes. like that that's the only education they need then they are free they can live the life they want they are not forced to join the family business mm-hmm. i like that this is the area that i would like to take my clients and myself be there as well yes can i ask you how much you charge for that 2 hour Uh, it's just the starting rate of 2500. Okay. Fantastic. It's been an absolute pleasure my friend. Thank you. Thank you. I wish you all the best of success in your in the near future in your long term future and please keep in touch. I think we we can pass each other lots of business. Definitely. Yeah. And one thing which I would like to say about the podcast which you do is that it's really amazing. I mean like uh, I like the kind of questions that you ask. It's uh, it's very customized and uh, it's uh, it actually brings out i usually don't watch too much of videos but i think i i watched many of your videos almost for that 45 minutes thank ago you, yeah thank you no i'm i'm actually on it and there's not many people i can talk just business with mm-hmm. and i love it the only thing is that that light was really bothering me right i mean i need to change that because <laughs> i was squinting most of the time but uh, thank you so much for keeping me awake because that was good. that was that light was killing me i need to change it i think but thank you it's been an honor thank you darius i salute you gladiator Thank you. I see you too. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. See you next time gladiators. Thank you again for your time.